Thanks, Tom. So we're starting off the new year, um, and just a couple of weeks we're going to embark upon uh, uh, the study of uh, the book of Second Samuel. But before we get there, we're going to have a, um, a, a this week and next week kind of a, just a little bit of a New Year sermon, if you will, um, kind of a pep talk. Um, uh, uh, an opportunity for us to refocus, if you will, to, to think about, okay, where where are we? Where are we going? What are we doing? Who are we? Uh, who's on first? That sort of a thing. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I read an article um, out of Forbes magazine, and the article dealt with the uh, the brain. Now, scientists have, have long known that, that early in life, the brain is, is creating new pathways and as your brain grows and, and everything, it's, it's expanding, right? And so it's very malleable. And um, but what they've learned is that 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 it's a fancy fancy. I'm going to sound really smart. The neuroplasticity of the brain, right? Uh, that that part, your your brain actually will do that all the way through life. So whatever phase of life you're in, you can create new pathways in your brain. And as you create new pathways, it's, it's at the same time, it's, it's possible for old pathways to shrivel up and go away, okay? So if you've got, you got, you know, bad habits, you've got things in, in your kind of personality, your life, um, ways that you've done things, you, you can cause those kind of pathways to, to just shrivel up and die by depriving them of that activity. In the same way, you can create new pathways by doing new things. So I, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm going to throw somebody out under the bus. Where's Lou? Lou, where are you? Lou, I should, right there. Coach Lou. So we, uh, uh, Lou leads one of our Life on Life missional discipleship uh, groups, and this is the second year. And in our kind of debrief, as we've talked about what went on the first year and everything, one of the things that came out of that was, how challenging scripture memory was because there's a there, we're every week we're doing scripture memory and Lou said man I just was so frustrated with this I just finally said I'm doing it I'm just going to commit to it now I NCAA coach for what 40 some years all right you would expect this um, but he said once he once he just threw down the gauntlet on himself and he started doing it what happened new pathways new pathways. They just developed. He, it started happening. And, um, and, and, and so now we're all going, you know, we're just not even trying anymore because Lou's doing it all for us. I mean, he's got it down. Um, it, and it's hard. It's hard work, but it, but it works. Now, I tell you all that just to tell you this. You can teach an old dog new tricks, right? Uh, and, and one of the things is that the passages we're going to look at is where are you going to focus? Where where are you this year going to work to develop new pathways, right, in your life? Uh, and, and so I, I say that kind of as a, I use that illustration, you can and you should develop new ways of looking at 
things. And this morning in particular, the gospel, right? How are you going to find new ways to allow the gospel to be the center of your life and the, and the way that you do things? And how as a congregation are we going to do that? And that's what I want us to talk about. We're going to do it from two places. We're going to do it from the Deuteronomy passage, and then we're going to do it again from the Luke chapter 10 passage. And the the way that we're going to look at it is we're going to look at it this way. There are two main dangers to letting that gospel be the center. And so in those two passages, what you're going to see is you're going to see the dangers, but then you're going to see that we're also called to focus in a certain area. So let's let's look at the Deuteronomy passage. In the Deuteronomy passage, what is... So here's here's kind of the setup, what's happening, okay, is that the Israelites are preparing to go in and take the promised land. So they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, all right? A generation has kind of passed away. The new generation is, is on the scene. And, uh, and they're going to go in and they're going to take the, take the land. And, um, and so Deuteronomy is actually uh, Deuteronomos. It's the second giving of the law, right? So the law was given way back in, in Exodus 19, uh, 20, beginning there. And, and what's happening now is get this new generation that's, that's kind of coming up. And so Moses is re-establishing. He's re-igniting. He, he's giving them all of this stuff again. And so he starts here in the, in, in the, at the beginning of the chapter by just telling them, right? Uh, hear, O Israel, it's, this is called the Shema of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All right? So he puts that before them. Here it is, the central, central focus. Love the Lord your God with everything you have, right? Focus on Him. And then he tells them, listen, take this, take these things and bind them on your, you know, put them everywhere. Teach them to your children and be reminded of them all the time. And, um, and then he says, you're to impress them on your children. And, and, and then the warning comes. And here's the warning. The warning is, be careful. Be careful because you are getting ready to go in and you are going to, you're going to conquer the inhabitants of this land and you're going to inherit all of their stuff. So it, it, the ancient way of warfare is not the, the modern way of warfare, okay? So in the ancient way, way of warfare, when you conquered a land, you took possession of their, their stuff, all right? So you went in, you conquered them, you occupied them, you inhabited their land, you took their stuff. It became yours. You were the, you're the victor, you get the spoils of war. And so the spoils of war in this case were that they were going to go in and they were going to, now think about this. Where have they been living for the last 40 years? They've been living in tents in the desert. For 40 years. That's all this generation has known. And now they're going to go in and they are going to inhabit the land. And they're going to take possession of homes they didn't build. They're going to take possession of wells they didn't dig. They're going to take possession of vineyards they didn't plant, of gardens they didn't plant, of fields they didn't till. The list goes on and on. So, so imagine, they're moving from 
you know, the inner city Los Angeles to Lake Oconee. All right? I mean, that's, that's the contrast. I mean, it's, you know, they're, 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 they're moving from the, I know, the cameras are sitting here. The cameras move from South Los Angeles to, no. Um, but, but you, you get the point, okay? Uh, they're, they're, they're moving from the hills of Tennessee and they're moving to just unbelievable, untold wealth. And they're going to take possession of amazing things. And then, and then that very last verse. But be careful. What? That you don't forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Hey? So when all of this happens, when you go in and you are, you're living the lavish life, okay? Now, who made this promise to give them the land? God did. Who is going to, who is promised to go with them as they go into the land? God did. Right? This is all His doing. He made the promise. He will deliver the promise. He will bring them into the land. He'll drive out their enemies. He, 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 God's going to do every bit of that. And in the midst of all that, He says, look, you get all this stuff that I'm blessing you with. Be careful. Be careful that you don't forget who I am and what I've done for you. Right? So the challenge is to take something that is God-given, that's good, and to move it a little too close to our hearts. What do we call that? Well, we have a big, fancy term called idolatry. Right? It's, it's idolatry. And, and the challenge is be careful that you don't take your focus and put it on all of the things that you now have and allow those things to be the things that bring you joy and delight in life. Are they good? Yes. Do they bring joy? Yes. Should they be the central focus of your life and attention? No. And there is the challenge. All right? Um, it, it, it's, it's a challenge that is not just for the Israelites. It's not an ancient challenge. It's a modern challenge. It's our challenge. All right? allowing the good things that God has given us in life to become ultimate things in our lives. And, you know, we, we typically have this, we, we kind of have a, a notion in our minds that idols are, you know, statues. I mean, they're, they're, they're things that are religious in nature, and we worship them, and they're bad, okay? Um, that's an ancient notion of idols. Are there idols like that? Yes, there are. Um, but But... The idol most prevalent in our hearts is that that thing which is good, which we move into uh, the ultimate position in our lives. All right. So just listen, Jonathan Edwards. Uh, you're familiar with Jonathan Edwards, right? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Okay. Um, I'm sure all of you are familiar with that sermon. Read it for your devotions. All right. Probably not. But Jonathan Edwards put it this way. He said, "If man does not give his highest respect." to the God that made him, there will be something else that has possession of it. That is his heart. Men will either worship the true God or some idol. It is impossible it should be otherwise. Something will have the heart of man. And that which a man gives his heart to may be called his God. Little g. John Calvin used to say and and wrote that our hearts are idol factories. And what he meant by that is 
we will worship something. We're, we're, we're born worshipers. We were created to worship. And so the question is, what is it that we are worshiping? Calvin, did, uh, he put it in another place. He said this, the evil and our desire typically does not lie in what we want, but that we want it too much. The evil in our desire typically does not lie in what we want, but that we want it too much. Good things that we make ultimate things, right? And you can, you can rattle off the list. Sex, money, power, prestige, spouses, children, relationships, all of those good things, every one of them. If you make it an ultimate thing in your life, if you make it the thing in your life, as one author says, if you, if, if, if you were to be stripped of that thing that you would lose your joy and happiness, all right, now you know that thing is in the ultimate position in your life. Now, that's at the personal level. We're talking a little bit about the congregational level. Are there congregational idols? Yeah, you want me to tell you what they are? They're the three B's. Budgets, buildings, and butts. All right? Sorry, that was vulgar. Budgets, buildings, and bodies. How about that? Those are the three idols of church ministry. All right? How big's your budget? And look, when you go to, when you go to, as a pastor, when I go to General Assembly, and I run into, so, right? It, budget's not usually the first one because that's really crude. We don't want, we don't, really don't want to talk about money like that. So, but we will ask, so how, what, B, big is your church? How many people do you have? How many, what kind of facilities do you have? And then if we really want to be crass, what kind of budget do you have? All right. Those, those, those are the idols of church ministry worship. Those are, look, below the surface, potentially bad idols that we can have as a congregation. We want to move our focus away from those things to doing what God has called us to do, right? Keep our focus where it belongs and not on that. And it, listen, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to stay focused on who we are and what God has called us to do. What has God called us to do? Well, your session is taken. If you've got your bulletin, right? You'll, you'll find it. It says right here, it's the second part down. Probably should be the first, but it's the second. We move it around to try to make it interesting for you. And it says this, Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church exists. Okay? You see it? Our vision is to make, equip, and deploy followers of Christ who love their families, their neighbors, and the world for the glory of God. We exist to make disciples. Okay? And, and by, by doing that, we make and we equip them and then we send them out. Alright? And so your session, your elders took a, some time a couple of years ago. We, 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 over a period, we worked through that. So we want to, we want this to be who we are. We can talk about lots of other things, but if we want to stay focused, we will stay focused on being a church that makes disciples. And, and to do that, and to do that well, and to do that rightly, we have to stay focused on who God is and what God has done. 
And that's what he tells the Israelites, the Israelites right? You're going to go in, get all this prosperity. You have all of this stuff. You have all of these potential idols. Don't forget me. Don't forget what I have done for you. Let's move to the second one. The second one is Luke chapter 10. Here's the situation. Jesus has taken 72 disciples, okay? So these are, these are followers, and he's going to give them some OJT. So he's going to take them, he's going to send them out, and he's going to give them, hey, here's the ABCs, here's how we're going to do ministry, and he's, he's kind of giving them some marching orders, right? You're going to go out, and they're going to be people, some people are going to receive you, some people are not going to receive you. Those things are going to happen. Um, and, um, but, but go out and tell people that the kingdom of God is near. Okay? <clears throat> and so he sends them out, and in verse 17, we read that they came back. And, uh, and when they came back, they were super stoked. They were very excited. And they're excited because, if you look at the text, as they went out, in verse 17, they, they come back and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. All right? Now, here's the, uh, if, if you take their initial statement and you look at it, here's what they're saying. They're saying the thing that would have been the biggest deal, even, even that happened. Okay? So, even the demons submitted to us. So, what does that tell us? That tells us, look, the, the thing that we thought wouldn't happen, couldn't possibly happen, even that happened. That means everything below that, that also happened. Alright? So, they went out and amazing things happened and even the demons obeyed in, in your name. Right? As we used your name, the demons obeyed us. And so they're excited. Now, this is certainly something to be excited about, right? They had great success when they went out and, and they, um, they, they shared about the kingdom of God and all of these things. And, and, and Jesus, he doesn't rebuke them, but he, he pulls them back from that. He, he redirects them and he tells them in verse 20, he says, look, uh, don't Verse 20 says, however, uh, don't be or do not rejoice that the spirits obey you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Okay? Now, that, think about that. They come back from having been sent out to ministry. Look. I'm, I would just have been excited like they went, all right? Like, wow, they like went out and knocked on doors. Yeah, hallelujah. Uh, we got them outside the church. Uh, but but it, so it's not just that. They went out. They, they did what he asked them to do. They came back. They had had great success. They are excited about successful ministry. And, and what does Jesus do? He pulls them back and he says, however, don't rejoice that the demons obeyed you. Let me give you something much more fixed. Because, because think about it. There are instances in which God sends people out. God gives people a mission and no one ever responds. Jeremiah. Okay. There, there are 
there are prophets who've been given a message to go and proclaim, and no one ever, no one ever turned. No one was knocking down the door. No one was responding favorably. And, and what if that were the case? What if you went out and no one responded and you came home? Would you, would you be down? Are, are you now downcast because the situation is, is different? What, what if that happens? What if God chooses to not work in the hearts of the people that you share the gospel with? Are, are you dejected? You see? And so what does he say? He refocuses them and he says, look, I'm going to give you the greater thing. I'm going to give you the thing that were you to fix your attention on this, everything else, no matter what happens, everything else will just be a secondary. Right? Your football team can lose and you can still rejoice. Right? You, 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 you'll go out and share the gospel and they, they won't turn and you can still rejoice. Why? Because there's something much more fixed than all of that. And, th- and it's this, that your name is written down in heaven. Now, you go, okay. There's, 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 uh, there's kind of a, like a little bit of a, a, um, uh, a secondary thing going on here, and that is most people in Jesus' day and age had never seen their name written, period. Right? They didn't walk around with a ballpoint pen in their pocket. Hey, the written text in that day and age was, was fairly unusual. I mean, you didn't have books on your shelf, and, and your, you didn't have the Time Life magazines. Okay? The printed word, written word, was rare, extremely rare. All right? and, and what was written was, like, really important. And so there were, to see your name written would have been highly unusual. And a person could have easily gone through their entire lives and never seen their name written. Partly because they probably wouldn't have even known how to write their name. And so Jesus says, look, your name is written. And it's not written like right here on a piece of paper. It's written down in a book in heaven. Now think about that. In that day and age, who did have their name written down? Kings, conquerors, really super important people, they had their name written down. Where do they have their name written down at? On large granite, marble, right, pieces of stone, fixed, lasting forever. You, you can go to southern Turkey, you can go to Israel, you can go to Rome, and, and you can see them. They're crumbling, they're they're falling apart, but they're there. The names are there. They're written in stone. They're etched in stone. And, and Jesus says, look, your name is now written down in heaven. You want to rejoice about something? You want to be happy? You want to have delight about something? Don't have delight about success in ministry because it, it could be here today. It could be gone tomorrow. Right? You, 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 may be, you may win the lottery. You may not. Don't rejoice in the, in, in the everyday occurrence of things that are going on. You want to find a much more stable plane with which to find your joy and happiness and satisfaction. Find it here. That your name 
is written in heaven. You know what that means? That means with surety and certainty, you and God are okay. So, you're going to, you stumble, you, 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 uh, you stub your toe, you screw up really badly, alright? You're still in the fight, but you're, you're battered, you're bruised, you're broken. That can, that can wipe you out. If you're living the day to day, hey, here's, here's what's going on. In, in the military, we always say, you know, the, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. The, the, what have you done for me lately? All right? And God says, look, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you've done for me lately. The more fixed proposition is your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because that's, where he's, well, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about your name written down. In the Lamb's Book of Life, Revelation chapter 21, verse 27, which will be opened in the last day. And if your name is there, when that book is opened in the last day, that means you and God the Father are right. You want to stay focused? You want to find that joy, that delight in the new year as a congregation? We want to stay focused on the gospel. We want to stay focused on the main thing. There are a million things to distract us. Listen, there are no shortage of fads. There are no shortage of opportunities, things we could chase, things we could do. I want to stay focused on on the gospel. Personally, I have to stay focused on the gospel. And my challenge, my encouragement to you is stay focused too. That's what Jesus did. He took his disciples. They were having great success. They were gangbusters. They were growing like crazy. People were responding, demons obeying them. Jesus said, stay focused. Don't lose your focus. Let your focus be on the surety of the salvation that's yours because of the work of Christ. Your name is written in heaven. Find your happiness Find your joy. Find your delight there. You, look, if that's, if that's really the case in your life, people will disappoint you. People will hurt you. Things will go wrong. You will screw up. The world might turn against you. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? There's surety and certainty there. So how do you develop that pathway? Let me just sew it up this way. If you've got a Bible, and if you want to grab that red or that that blue Bible in front of you, you can turn to Psalm 136. I'm not going to torture you. Well, I don't think I'm going to torture you by reading the whole thing with you. But But I want you to see it, right? Psalm 136. I'll read the first few. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to God, to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders, His love endures forever. Who by understanding made the heavens, His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. 
His love endures forever. Who made the great lights, His love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, His love endures forever. The moon to stars to govern the night, His love endures forever. You get the theme? So that phrase, His love endures forever, is is actually a Hebrew word, uh, hesed. You may have heard that before, and it's it's the covenant love of God. That's the word. That's, that's the love that causes God to pursue His people. Right? It's like the covenant. It's like a spider web of love. You you can't get out of it. That love endures forever. He 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 gets you, and He's got you because He's pursuing you. It's not the other way around. You're not pursuing God. God's pursuing you, and and His love pursues you forever. His love, the idea, endures forever. His love pursues you forever through all of these things. He does all of these things. It's by His love. All right? But notice what the psalmist is doing. The psalmist is, is basically just, he's refocusing himself. God created the world. His covenant love chases me forever. God brought us out of Egypt, brought our people out of Egypt. His covenant love chases me forever. It endures forever. He loves forever, right? He's, he's staying focused. He's building, if you will, new pathway in his brain, right? He stays focused on who God is and what God has done for him. His love endures forever. And if you look through all of Psalm 136, he, he hits all the high points, Okay? You can do this. I would, I would challenge you, encourage you, go home. If you, if you want to take a New Year's exercise, do a New Year's exercise. And go through all of the points in your life where you've seen the hand of the Lord. Things that have happened in your life, right? It, and, and write them down. Write them down. It's not even the bad things. I mean, the good things. Write, write down the bad things. The challenging things, right? Because even in those, remember, that greatest point of greatest need in your life where you're the you're the worst you his love endures forever he came for that right whatever that worst you is he came for that worst you he didn't come for the best you he came for the worst you could have possibly been and he died for that and so go and write him down and after each one Remind yourself of who He is. And let's keep, let's keep our focus on who God is, what God has done, and what God has called us to do and to be as His people as we go into 2020. Let me pray for us. Father, thank You. Thank You for... Loving us when we are unlovable. Help us to refocus and to stay focused on what you would have for us as your people in this new year. Your love endures forever. There's no greater place for us to set our hearts than on that truth. So we just pray that you'll be at work. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. We'll sing hymn 355, We Are God's People.